Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in lacrosse. The Packers' bye week is now over. they got seven more to go, and they find themselves right in the thick of things for a playoff spot in the NFC. So we'll talk a little bit about some late-breaking news for the Green Bay Packers, some news around the NFL, and some of our impressions from yesterday's games while the Packers were off. And as a bye week double feature, we're going to have both a crossfire segment and a what-if segment. So that'll be some interesting things for you this evening as well. And of course, Matt, uh, a place to start as we bring you in here. A late news story this afternoon. Brian Bulaga is now on injured reserve with a hip injury. Another injury for the Packers, another guy that's going to be lost for this season, uh, unlike most of the major guys we've had so far this year. Brian Bulaga will not be back. How do you think that affects the team going forward? Well, I think it does. I mean, obviously you can't, on a line that's so weak already and has no depth whatsoever, you can't really afford to lose anybody else. So obviously this is huge. I think that we've kind of all been maybe a little disappointed with the way Bulaga's played so far in his young career, but I think most of all, maybe you don't lose a ton at the starting tackle spot. when They've been shifting uh, Lang out to right tackle. I, I don't think you're losing much in putting Dietrich Smith in at guard. I, I think that the starting five stays about the same talent-wise, at least that's my opinion. But they, they've probably got to pick somebody up, you would think, right? It, I mean, it's uh, it was already papered in, and now if somebody else goes down, you have nobody to step in, it seems like. Yeah, you would think so. Uh, the only healthy backups, according to this CBS News story that I have in front of me, are Don Barclay and uh, Greg Van Roten, or Rotten, I, I'm not sure how you say that, are the only two healthy uh, backup offensive linemen that they have on the roster. Uh, Derek Schrod, they're trying to work back into things. Of course, he had his devastating knee injury at the end of last season, so who knows what you're going to get out of him. But, <laughs> I mean, we've talked about this even before there was injuries on the offensive line, that it just didn't seem like there was a lot of those guys on the roster. Uh, to fill Brian Bulaga's spot, they actually picked back up linebacker Vic Soto, who uh, I actually really like him, but um, I guess linebacker's a problem spot too now uh, with some yeah. of the guys going down. So. Yeah, you, I think you're right. They they got to start looking for somebody just to have. You got to play with five, and if you keep going through this, uh, who knows what's going to happen? I'm assuming that uh, Van Roten and, and Barclays are guys that haven't started or really played at all. I can't remember them getting any snaps at, at all for they, us, at least. Yeah, they're both undrafted rookies, so. Uh, right. So I, I mean, maybe they feel more comfortable with those guys who've been in the system. You know, maybe stepping in and play some. As opposed to getting somebody who's just sitting around on the couch. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, hopefully Sherrod can get back. That would be huge, even if he's not going to start, mm-hmm. to at least have somebody back there that's played and that you know isn't going to completely let everybody run right through him. So, I mean, it, maybe that's a promising thing for the future here. Yeah, I sure hope so. Uh, they, they're getting. We talk about this every week, so we don't have to go into it, but. Gosh, they are just running out of people. You feel like eventually they're going to have to... I know Caleb made a joke on Facebook that are they going to have uh, 22 guys left near the end of the year? Are they going to have to have two-way players back at, like in the 30s and 40s? I don't understand why this is a problem for this team every single year. Yeah, I mean, we talk about this every week, but yeah, you're right. Pretty soon they're going to end up like my JV team. We would just take a short <laughs> bus with 12 guys over to wherever, and everybody plays both ways, plays special teams and everything. They're going to have to start doing that. Rodgers is going to have to start playing at safety, which we used to do to, to oh, not get our quarterbacks hit. So, um, <laughs> But, yeah, it's 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 pretty miserable now, and I don't even think they're getting a ton of those guys back this week after the bye, are they, that have been out for a little while here? I've been looking for information. The two that I'm most interested in is Clay Matthews and Jordy Nelson. Uh, the you know Woodson and Greg Jennings are going to be out for quite a while yet. All McCarthy has said on that is a couple of weeks, and I don't know 
what that exactly means. I've heard different reporters on the radio and in the newspapers actually refer to Clay Matthews as being definitively out next week already. Uh, so I don't know. I haven't been able to read anything uh, that has corroborated that, but I wouldn't expect him this week, and I have heard absolutely nothing about Jordy Nelson, so I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. Have you heard anything? No, I haven't. That's kind of why I asked you. I mean, if so if Clay's definitively out this week, you have to imagine it's probably a couple more weeks after that if he's so certainly out coming uh, you know, a week in advance for next week. But I guess I don't know how far that Jordy Nelson's second injuries can put him out on, on top of what he already had, where he probably would be coming back this week had he not played in the last game. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, it was a different injury, so I guess we'll never know, but that was kind of a weird injury against the Cardinals, too. So so I, I guess I really don't know. Uh, apparently, Mike McCarthy said today that we'll see what happens when they asked if Clay Matthews had a realistic shot to play against the Lions this Sunday. So take with that what you will. Well, regardless of who's left on the Packers to play, the team is sitting at 6-3. and three, So right now that would put them at the number 5 seed in the NFC. And the Bears, of course, last night losing Jay Cutler and losing to the Houston Texans. So they're only a game away from the Green Bay Packers. And, of course, the Packers have already beaten the Bears. So the Packers right in the thick of things, and hopefully they can sustain that with some of the players they have. Uh, I know the bye week is always kind of weird, and especially in the middle of the season, you don't get to see a lot of things. But is there a big uh, maybe trend that came out of yesterday that kind of changed your opinions on the, maybe our, our midseason picks that we had last week? Well, I mean, obviously the Cutler injury is going to be huge. Uh, we had both kind of talked about how we feel that Packers are maybe good enough to win this division, but we just don't know if the Bears are going to lose enough. And this might be kind of like what we saw last year, uh, where the Bears kind of fall apart if they don't have Cutler in the game. So, I mean, he didn't look great when he was in there, but they're a completely different team without him. Their offense is, is not even close to what it is with him in there with Jason Campbell in the game. So mm-hmm. this might be the opportunity for the Packers, uh, you know, to take a, take a lead in this division and kind of hold on to it. And, ge- you know, generally a, a concussion won't hold a guy out for too long, so maybe he only misses a game or two. But uh, this might be our opportunity with them playing San Francisco coming up, and we have a game against them as well coming up fairly soon. So mm-hmm. um, I guess that might be one thing. And uh, the Giants' downward spiral kind of has us, uh, looking like that might not be as difficult of a game in a couple weeks as well. Yeah, the New York Giants downward spiral. Um, every year you kind of think they're going to snap out of it, but was is anybody really that surprised once you saw the Bengals taking it to them yesterday? No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe that's something I'll have to check if, if we take a break in this episode. I just want to see what their record is. Uh, first half of the season versus second half of the season since 05, 06, something like that. It just seems like they're 6-2 and two every single year, and then the bottom just completely falls out. When was the last time they won a game in November? <laughs> yeah, I, I heard a stat about this, this that this morning. I can't remember the record over the past few years, but it's, it's really miserable in November. Uh, yeah, so... I'm sure they'll turn it around in December, and uh, that, that division stinks. Uh, nobody yeah, else in that division is over 500. Regardless of if they, you know, only win a half the games the rest of the way, they should probably still win that division. You would think. Yeah, and uh, speaking of injuries, I'm glad we bailed on the Eagles last week. Uh, did you hear anything about Michael Vick and how long he might be out? Uh, I, I didn't hear a timetable, but I heard it was a significant concussion, and I, I was just kind of reading things here. I believe I saw it on NFL.com that there is a possibility that they may rest him the rest of the year as well. Oh, wow. 
So I don't know if that, I'm assuming that wouldn't be Andy Reid's call. Maybe it's, you know, the general manager saying, all right, let's let the young guy play. We're not going to do anything this year kind of a thing, especially if he's concussed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, maybe we won't see him in an Eagles uniform again even, but it looks like he might be out for at least this coming Sunday, but might be out even after that too. Well, that's certainly interesting. Well, this is the Packers bye week, so I guess if we want to take some tangents away from Green Bay, we'll, this will be the week to do that. Mm-hmm. Is this, Maybe, I know he does have Packer ties, Andy Reid we're talking about here. Uh, is this the beginning of the end for him in Philadelphia for sure, finally? Oh, I, w- I would have to think so. I mean, I don't see there any way that they make the playoffs right now. They would basically have to win out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might see a 9-7 and seven wild card team sneak in there, but again, that means they lose only one the rest of the way, which I don't see this team, especially with Nick Foles starting for them, doing. So I think he's out. I I think you just watch the games, and it's, it seems like it's kind of been this throughout his whole career, but they've won. It's just like the play calling seems sort of bizarre. <laughs> and they they kind of picked on him a little bit when they were on Monday Night Football uh, last week, but just not having anybody in, any kind of backs for uh, blitz pickup. They're just kind of leaving just the five linemen, and that's it. They don't give any more help. Despite having one of the best running backs in the league, they refuse to run it. It's It just seems really bizarre, and, and I think that, Eagle fans have been fed up with it for a while, but I think now that that he's going to be losing and not making the playoffs again with this talented team, I I think he's got to go. I can't see any way that he stays. Yeah, and I tend to agree, and I think he's a good coach, and I would be shocked if he doesn't land with somebody immediately or oh, the yeah, year following. Sure. Um, but I, I think you're right as far as the offense, and I think sometimes maybe you just need a change of scenery, writing on the wall perhaps for, for Andy Reid out in Philadelphia. I guess the story that I want to talk about that that I noticed when I was looking over the standings last night, uh, notwithstanding the tie yesterday that might screw up some playoff seedings and things like that, but you got to wonder if maybe the owners and especially the commissioner are beginning to sweat bullets seeing that the Green Bay Packers and Seattle Seahawks might finish with an incredibly similar record and that might decide... Uh, hopefully not who is in the playoffs, but where you're playing in the playoffs. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, and I, I'm sure that they're just hoping that that doesn't happen. And you can definitely see it. I mean, they're only one game behind us right now, correct? Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, half a I, game. Yep, and I, I, you know, I like our chances down the stretch to finish with a better record, but you never know. Uh, hopefully it doesn't determine a, a, a playoff spot altogether. I mean, if, if anything, if it's a seating, that's still really terrible, but it, at least you're still in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that would be that would be huge news come the end of the season. I know every announcer, when they say our record or says Seattle's record, they say, with an asterisk, the Packers should have won this game. So when you actually come down to it, if that's going to determine something, that's going to be pretty interesting to see how the NFL handles it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they aren't going to reverse the win or anything like that, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that could be a really sticky situation. Yeah, hopefully the Packers can find a way to keep winning with whoever has to put a uniform on and uh, avoid that from happening. But that's certainly something that might be an interesting story to follow through the second half of the season here. Oh, yeah, and if Seattle gets that last wild card spot and is tied with somebody, how mad are you going to be if you're, you know, say the Saints or somebody like or Minnesota that gets beat out from a team that shouldn't have had that win? you got to imagine it's going to affect something here down the stretch. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I didn't even think of that. Um, the only other thing that I noticed yesterday that made me kind of cheer for it in the second half of the season was there's a really good chance that a wild card playoff game is going to be Colts at Broncos. Do you have any interest in seeing that? 
Oh, for sure. I think that would be. I mean, I don't really care about the whole Luck Peyton thing. I mean, maybe it'd be kind of fun seeing Peyton play against the Colts, I guess. But it seems like that would be a pretty fun matchup. I don't know if they have played already this year. I'm sure they haven't played already this year, right? Because that probably would have been all over sports. Yeah, they haven't, and they don't this year. Um, they'll play in one of the next two if Peyton plays that long. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess I don't really care too much about that, but I think it would be a good matchup. I guess that's why I would look forward to it is because it seems like a pretty even team, so I think that would be a really good game. Yeah, and people are kind of on that Colts bandwagon. I know it's a good story, uh, not only with the the Chuck Pagano thing, but also with uh, Andrew Luck being the first pick in the draft and playing pretty darn well. I'm just going to say I'd be pretty surprised if they sustain this, quite honestly. I know they have some guys who have been in the playoffs, but they're still pretty young uh, in a lot of parts of the team, and... I kind of hope they make the playoffs because they'd be a pretty interesting story. And I mean, who else is really all that interesting in the AFC, anyways? I don't. I'm happy for Joe Philbin, but I don't really want to see Miami in, and and I don't think Cincinnati has a legitimate shot to really do anything, despite what we saw yesterday. So I kind of hope the Colts make it, but uh, I don't know. Are are you sold that they are a front runner to make that the playoffs as one of the two wild cards? Yeah, I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I'm not sold on them as a great team. But I think it the AFC stinks. <laughs> and with the way Andrew Luck's playing, I think he's an elite quarterback, or at least he's going to be there soon. But with the way he's playing right now, he's playing as good as, you know, to be a top-ten quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in such a weak conference, I think that's good enough to get there. I don't think that they can beat any of the elite teams in there, but I, I think they're definitely good enough to make it. I mean, who else is it going to be mm-hmm. other than them? So I, I'll buy them as a playoff team, as the wild-card team there, but I think that game against Denver is going to be awfully tough, and if they move on to the next round and have to play New England or Baltimore, it would probably be considered a pretty gigantic upset if they pull that off. Okay, so I wasn't ready to put them in the playoffs, and you already have them, you know, potential division round opponents, so you must have more confidence than I do. Well, yeah, well, yeah I mean, I, I, I don't <laughs> think that they would beat Denver, but I think they could play with them. I, like I said, I don't think they're a great team, but I think they're better than, you know, the other teams in the AFC. So I, I, I buy them as a wild card type team in the AFC. They probably wouldn't make it in the NFC, but I think they would make it over there. Okay, yeah, uh, you're entitled to your opinion. I, that's just. You know, either one of those could probably happen. Obviously, one of the two will happen. They'll either make the playoffs or not make the playoffs. So, horrible <laughs> we'll see, segue we'll on my part. <laughs> okay, that's enough of random kind of barstool talk that we just had right there. But I guess to to follow that up, we're going to have even more random barstool talk here because we're bringing back our segment that we did a couple of weeks ago, and it's called Crossfire. <laughs> Okay, and that begins the crossfire segment here. Uh, I did check, Matt. We we can use that, uh, even though neither of us hopefully have to spin off into deep space if we lose this uh, this discussion <laughs> yeah, here. Gets me a little. I'm pumped up now to do this. <laughs> well, if you're so pumped up, I will let you start. Uh, do you wanna do you wanna take that offer? Sure. I will. Uh, let's see what I got for you. Here. Wait, should we explain this a little bit first? Oh yeah, I guess for our people who didn't hear the first one. Yeah, um, well, this was Matt's idea. So basically what we do is we just throw little tidbit topics at one another. Uh, anywhere from the NFL, it could be uh, from the present, from the past, uh, some things surrounding the NFL. We just throw them at each other. We haven't shared these topics with one another. And then we have to give our, our quick initial uh, response to those topics. So with that, Matt's going to start with the first Crossfire topic this week. Okay, my first question for you is, and I think that this one's pretty up in the air right now, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say, but... 
Who is the last team? Don't think about seeding or anything like that if it's even possible. But who is the last team you would want to see in a sudden death game right now? So assuming that would be a playoff game, who is the last team you would want to face right now? As the Packers? Um, I, I guess or if I'm a head coach. Matchups, just in general. The last team I would want to play in a sudden death game. Ooh, I think it's up to two two teams for me. Either the, the Packers, uh, because they have the capabilities to do it, and if Aaron Rodgers is hot, nobody can beat him. And I think just because of their track record the last four or five years, I have to put the New York Giants on that list. Uh, numerous teams who are better than them have had chance to eliminate them from two different playoffs uh, in any venue. It doesn't seem to matter when the chips are down with that team. I'll say either Green Bay or the Giants. Okay, yeah, I, I would put Green Bay in that discussion, but I think with all the injuries, if they're a healthy Packers team, they're probably my number one. But I think as is, we don't know what we're getting at. I'm going to leave them out for now, but I agree with New York. But I think I'm going to say New England, actually. Hmm. Uh, they haven't been great so far this year, but... You know, they've been there, they've been in the playoffs, and, and nobody scares me more really to play than, than Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their defense is maybe a little bit better than, than New, like somebody like New Orleans with that good of a quarterback. So mm-hmm. I think I don't want to see Tom Brady in the playoffs, so I'm going to say New England. Yeah, and uh, I will actually say New Orleans is a pretty good choice too. I wouldn't put them in my top right. two, but uh, that team, if you had to play them in the Superdome, that that is terrifying. That's like the worst matchup mm-hmm. in the league right now, it feels like. Yeah. Okay, I got one for you here. Uh, this is kind of a, a retro one, and it kind of goes with one of our uh, Hall of Fame arguments that we always have. You're the deciding vote for the Hall of Fame. Who do you put in between these two, Terrell Davis or Jerome Bettis? Oh, man, that's this is completely goes between the arguments we've had, because I know a lot of times we say that a player has to have been elite to be in, but Terrell Davis didn't play very long. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's hard. I guess I'm going to have to go with Jerome Bettis, and I know you're going to disagree with me on this, but I think he uh, he was never the best running back, but he was up there, you know, towards the top of him. He was he was pretty elite for a while. Um, how long he did it for, how consistently he did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't win an, a Super Bowl until he was pretty much out of his prime and, and pretty much useless other than a goal line back, but I, I think I would have to go with Bettis on this one. Okay, and uh, I could see that argument. I would still go with Terrell Davis, I think, for the reasons you said. I, I don't think anybody outside of maybe from about, what, 1996 to about 2001 was Jerome Bettis a real big threat. And I know that's a, a big chunk of time, but Terrell Davis, his prime was about four years as well. But in that time period, he had three 1,500-yard seasons, a 2,000-yard season, league MVP, Super Bowl MVP. He probably was the best player in the NFL for at least two or three of those seasons. So uh, I think, to me, that... That means more. Yeah, and I I can see that, I, and I wouldn't even argue if he got in, I guess, just because of how great he was for that short period of time. But mm-hmm. I think if you put him in, you should probably put Sterling Sharp in too. But I guess that's oh, a whole other argument. I think you should just go back in time and take Terrell Davis out of Super Bowl 32 and watch the Packers win by 21 points. Yeah, there you go. Just just don't put him in the league at all. And then <laughs> yeah. better. Alrighty, I'm actually gonna steal one from Facebook here real quick. Okay. Um, Brian asked us a question. Uh, he's got a crossfire question for us. Uh, what is the best Packer team in their history? Um, well, obviously, I've probably seen more Packer games um, than somebody my age, uh, but it's tough to say with the teams you haven't seen. Uh, the 1929 team didn't even allow 30 points all season, mm-hmm. um, but that's kind of ancient football. You play a lot of bad teams. I will say it's a toss-up. Between 1962, when they went 13-1, and it was Lombardi's best team, or the 96 team. And it's tough. I guess I'll say, I'll say the 1962 team. 
uh, I think is the best team. I've seen the 96 team play. I haven't seen the 62 team play, but they just were overwhelming that year. A lot of their records were the records that held until the 96 team beat them. They only lost one game. Uh, they, they won the championship game on the road. Uh, Jim Taylor had a ridiculously big season, almost 1,500 yards in 14 games. So I will go with, uh, with the 1962 Lombardi's best team. Okay, and I'm I'm glad you said that because I was kind of thinking more Super Bowl era, so I was thinking maybe the Super Bowl one team, even even though I know a lot of those guys were older and kind of getting towards the end of their careers, but mm-hmm. I think it has to be one of the teams from that era. And if you're you're saying '62 is the best team from that, I'll agree with you there. I haven't seen a, enough of the '62 team uh, <laughs> games to really make a solid argument for that, but I think the '96 team was great. Number one in offense and defense, you can you can make a great argument for that too. But I think just the amount of Hall of Famers and the great players that were on those teams that I think you really have to pick one of those teams. So Mm -hmm. I will uh, agree with you there. I think you probably have to say a Lombardi team. Yeah. Okay, here's uh, one for you, Matt. Pick a team to move to Los Angeles. Uh, This team will be renamed. It will not be replaced like the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Their franchise will be dead. Who of the current 32 teams are you moving to Los Angeles? Jacksonville. Okay. <laughs> it's not even close if you ask me. I mean, not only is this team, except for maybe their second year in a couple in the late '90s where Brunel was there, they've never been very good. They don't have any history. <laughs> they have one of the worst fan bases in the country. I, in my opinion, it, there's not even a question. There's nobody else even close. You move a team like Buffalo or Minnesota with all this history, which I know Minnesota's not an option anymore, but just mm-hmm. for argument's sake, mm-hmm. with all this history, they've been to Super Bowls. Um, they've had really good teams, but. You move a team like Jacksonville and nobody outside of the the strong fan, or I guess there's not a strong fan base, but there's some loyal fans there. Uh, nobody besides those people even cares, really. So I think Jacksonville, hands down. Well, I admire you for putting the Jacksonville Jaguars there for those reasons. I, I gave you a chance to make a really mean, spiteful pick and move the Vikings there and call them the South Side <laughs> Seals or something. <laughs> but uh, I think I would agree. I would say Jacksonville. The only other one that I would even consider would be the San Diego Chargers because it's okay. just right up the road. They started in Los Angeles as an AFL team. And uh, so not a ton of history, but they still got guys like Dan Fouts and, and your, your boy Stan Humphreys. Uh, so I guess uh, I'll agree with you, Jacksonville. Okay. My next question for you is, who would you rather have at quarterback? And we could probably throw a bunch of these average quarterbacks in here, but I just picked out three randomly. <laughs> Tony Romo, Joe Flacco, Jay Cutler. Who would you rather have? Oh, boy. Um, that's a really tough one. I guess I would take Joe Flacco. I think that his upside is not nearly as high as Tony Romo's. But I think he takes better care of the football than those guys do. So if you're going to have a middle-of-the-road quarterback, I'd rather have one that's not going to cost you many games. So I think I would prefer Flacco over those two. I think my second would be Tony Romo because I think we saw, maybe he's getting away from those days, but in you know 07, 08, 09, when Tony Romo's good, he's really good. Uh, So I think he would be my second and then Cutler third. Yeah, I agree with Cutler third, and I think he might even be the best quarterback in this bunch, but I think with his personality, that's something I wouldn't want around my team at least, Um, and also so prone to turnovers. You know, I would agree with you, but I think I'm actually going to go Romo here, and I know he gets a ton of heat mainly because he plays in Dallas, but if I have to have a quarterback that it's going to go through the whole season, I don't feel like Joe Flacco can win me a Super Bowl. Hmm. Um, even with that defense that they have, I don't feel like he's the guy who's going to win you a Super Bowl. And I know you could say, you know, he completed that pass to send him to the Super Bowl last year if it wasn't dropped, but mm-hmm. I feel he still like he had to win one more after that. Rather than 
a consistent thing that he's done. So although Romo throws some interceptions, makes some bad decisions, I feel like he's the only one of those three that can take me to a Super Bowl. That's a fair point. I mean, the 07, he might have been, you know, second to Tom Brady as far as, you know, best players in the, at that position in the NFL. So uh, that's definitely a good point. All right, Matt, bringing it back to the name of our show, Green and Gold Forever. Who do you think is the biggest missed opportunity player or coach in Packers history? Oh, man, this is a tough one. I guess really all the big busts we've had. I mean, Mandrich was a bust. He went on to play decent elsewhere, but I'm not going to say him because he was so terrible for us. Mm-hmm. There was really nobody who – oh, I, I think I know where I want to go with this here. I think I'm going to say Tim Harris Okay. Um, from the end of the 80s. Just, I guess nobody else is really popping into my head, and he was elite there for a, for a couple years and one of the best in the game. So mm-hmm. I uh, – you know, and he was disgruntled and left. So I, I guess I would say him. Nobody else pops in my head. You could probably make an argument for somebody, though. Yeah, uh, Tim Harris is actually a really good one. I didn't even think of that. Uh, he was still a pretty good player uh, in the early 90s, so it would have been interesting to see him and Reggie White together. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's two guys. Uh, one is Robert Brooks, who would probably be my second one. Had he not gotten hurt, uh, who knows what could have been with him, having him sure. and Freeman together for as, as long as, you know, they could have been together for six, seven years with Brett Favre. So I think that's a big one. The biggest one to me, though, is Javon Walker. Uh, he not gotten hurt and then got mad at the team with the holdout. Um, I don't know what you think because Greg Jennings has been phenomenal and obviously has been a much better Packer than Javon Walker. But 2004 Javon Walker might have been better than Greg Jennings ever was at any point in his career. Oh, I, I completely agree with you there. I think he's 04 Walker is probably the best receiver we've had, mm-hmm. um, at least in our lifetimes. I would say uh, minus Sterling Sharp. So I, I would I would agree there. Javon Walker's a big one, and I think if he would have stayed here, he would have had a really nice career with Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. Uh, but another one that just popped in my head, too, talking about him, obviously, Sterling Sharp. Yeah. Uh, this guy would have been a Hall of Famer had he not gotten hurt. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I might change my vote to that one, actually, just because it would have been interesting to see him on the Super Bowl teams and, and to finish his career and make it to the Hall of Fame and see what kind of numbers he ended up putting up. He might be in the top five of almost every category right now had he stayed healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't think of Sterling Sharp either when I – wrote this question, so uh, I think that's a really good one, too. So there's probably numerous uh, ones of those, but uh, there's at least four you can chew on. Maybe you'll have, uh, those listening will have their own that they can add to the comments below. So I guess next question for you here. Uh, This one's kind of tough right now because I feel like there's no clear-cut answer, but just completely basic, who do you think is the best running back in the NFL right now? I guess similar to that quarterback question we have, what running back would you want on your team? Boy, (laughs) It's kind of thin right now. Uh, it, it is kind of thin right now. Um, you know, it's there, there's some really good ones. I mean, Matt Forte, uh, Ray Rice, somebody like that. I guess I would go with um, I'll go with Ray Rice. Uh, he's he's one of the more elite running backs. Uh, he he probably is one of the better pass catchers. That's why I would put him over Adrian Peterson. Is I think he's more of a factor in the in the passing game. Sure. So um, Adrian Peterson, I. St- Still think as as far as a runner is probably the best in the NFL, but I think Ray Rice does more for your offense. So I'll I'll, I'll go with Ray Rice, and he's on my fantasy team, and he's pretty much the only guy who uh, never gets hurt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just watching Ray Rice, I mean, he's a very good player, but I I've never been too overwhelmed watching him being like, oh man, this guy's one of the best in the game. He's just he catches a lot of balls, has a pretty good yards per carry, but never really blows me away. I guess the first guy who popped in my head was Adrian Peterson, but you know he's a guy who's banged up a lot too. Mm-hmm. I think when he's healthy he might be, but I'm actually going to go with LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I know we talked about him a little bit before. He's not the best running back in the game, but I feel like he could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he's just as good of a pass catcher as Ray Rice. I think he's a little more shifty, a little quicker. So I think talent-wise, he's probably number one in my opinion. So if he gets a, a better offense next year, I think we're going to see this guy explode. Yeah, that's a really good pick. I didn't even think of him. But I guess if we're going to go factor in both the running and the passing game, it's got to be John Kuhn, right? <laughs> yeah, he, well, he's, he's probably going to crack the top ten in the NFL's top 100 this offseason. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, here's my last one for you, Matt. I have some really good ones that I, I'm going to save. Not that this isn't a great one, but I have some other really good ones that we'll save for next time. But this one I know is going to be really, really tough for you, so that's why I picked it last. You have to take a college lecture course for a full semester. You have the choice between two instructors. Are you enrolling in Brian Billick's class or Lou Holtz's? Oh, no. Oh, I would probably just drop out of college altogether, man. Oh, man, I don't know. I feel like I would probably go with Lou Holtz as much as I can't stand the saliva and how slobbery he talks. I feel like he's not as much of a moron as Brian Billick is. I, I can't handle Billick. It, it always blows me away that he was an NFL coach and a coach that was on a Super Bowl team. And I, I feel like it had nothing to do with him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But just listen to that guy talk when he announces and he doesn't know anybody's name. He calls Mike McCarthy Mike McCartney constantly. And he doesn't know, it doesn't seem like he knows anything about football that I don't know. And it, he just drives me absolutely insane. So I'll take the saliva and go with Lou Holtz. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll agree. I I never really have a problem with Lou Holtz. I think he's a cool guy, and and I, he always has some pretty good points. And I, I like your description of Brian Billick that I I think probably has never been applied to any other Super Bowl winning coach. That uh, you referred to him not as a Super Bowl winning coach, but a coach that was on a Super Bowl winner, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably the best way to describe him. Mm-hmm. All righty. So my last question for you before we move to a, the one that was given to us here is uh, another Packer related question. So. Taking Aaron Rodgers out of the equation here, who is the least expendable Packer at this time? Oh, man. I guess right now, I mean, it sounds a little, a little premature, but I would almost go Randall Cobb. Uh, he, he He's one of the, maybe the most effective guy we have out of the backfield. Uh, I know he doesn't get the ball much, but uh, I was today I was just g- going through uh, some of the the iTunes files I have, and I, I, I get the, the highlights every every week, and he was running for big runs out of the backfield against the Bears when they couldn't move the ball against anybody, and he returns kicks, uh, he, he returns punts, he looks like maybe the best receiver on the team, even when Jordy Nelson is playing, so as tempted as I am to go with somebody on defense, like maybe a Tremont Williams or something, uh, I don't know where this offense would be right now with all the injuries without Randall Cobb. Yeah, that's a good point, and I think Rodgers has a lot to do with how good he's been, but obviously he's an incredible athlete, Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think that's a really good one, but I think with the depth there, when they're healthy, I think Jordy and and having James Jones uh, makes him maybe a little bit more expendable, so I guess I would go with Clay Matthews, just because you don't have anything else there, there's nobody else who's going to rush the passer, especially with a guy like Nick Perry out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think it has to be Clay. I, I don't think, I think when he's hurt, we've seen in 2010 when he was out, the team is completely different, and mm-hmm. I hope we don't see it this week if he misses the game, but it, I think that he's a really valuable guy that we need to have on the field, and I think we're gonna see some problems this, this weekend if he's not in the game. Yeah, and I think you're probably right. I was kinda trying to think, um, <laughs> you, you know, I, it's hard now because we've seen them win without so many different guys. Other than Aaron Rodgers, they won a game with Aaron Rodgers. They threw for more yards than they ever have in the history of their franchise without Aaron Rodgers. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's very hard to 
to say. So I, I was kind of thinking in the terms of guys who aren't hurt right now, maybe I was too limited in my answer. So I think I might change mine to, to agree with you about Clay Matthews. Is he pretty much is the pulse of the defense. Uh, even without Charles Woodson, I think they can do okay at this point. But sure. uh, Clay Matthews is tough. So uh, yeah, I th- you're right on that one. So I guess I go spinning off into... The, the stratosphere, like the guy on the, the Crossfire commercial since I lost that last <laughs> that last debate. All right. And uh, we have the one more on Facebook here from Caleb as well. He wants to know who's the best offensive rookie, defensive rookie. Oh, so basically these are just midseason awards here that we're handing out. Yeah, we'll we'll um, do super Crossfires on these because I think these are good. We probably should have tacked them on last week, but, but Caleb thought of it, and uh, thanks, Caleb. Okay. So we'll just rattle these off. I don't think we have to go into too much explanation here, but let's uh, get right to it. So we'll start off your offensive rookie. Who's your NFL offensive rookie so far? I'll go with Andrew Luck uh, over Russell Wilson, I guess, because uh, I didn't expect the Colts to be uh, this good, this fast. Brand new coach, new quarterback. I thought Andrew Luck would be good. I didn't think he'd be quite that good. So I'll go Andrew Luck. Yep, I agree there, and I, th- I think that uh, Russell Wilson's a good one, too. I think he surprised me a little more, but I think what Luck and the Colts are doing is, is overall been a little bit more surprising, and he's been a little more impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Martin, another good choice. RG3, obviously, was a was expected to get it early, and the year's kind of fallen off a little bit here, so mm-hmm. uh, I will go Andrew Luck as well. Okay. Alrighty, next one here, we have Defensive Rookie of the Year, and who do you got there? Well, this is tough because, quite honestly, I don't really notice other defensive players quite as easily as you notice yeah, other offensive players. So I'm going to go with the homer pick because he led the NFL in interceptions through, like, week seven or eight. So I'll say Casey Hayward. He's been a huge help for this team. Uh, he's played a little bit of special teams, and he's really stepped in when uh, they've lost some guys and Charles Woodson not even playing corner anymore. So it's an incredibly homer pick based partially on ignorance. I'll go with Casey Hayward. Yeah, and I can agree more. I'm kind of looking up and down the standings here, and it's it kind of seems rare this year that we don't have that one guy really who's uh, standing out as a rookie that everybody's kind of shocked with, you know, like we saw Von Miller or or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. I believe Dante Hightower's having a pretty good year for the Patriots. Okay, yeah, he uh, is. Maybe just to have a different vote than you. <laughs> I, I think just because Casey Hayward doesn't play that often, but like you said, it, it's so hard to see other defensive rookies on other teams. There's not a lot of guys standing out this year. I guess I'll go with Hightower. Okay, yeah, that's a good one too. He he is having a really good year out there in New England. So, our next question here is defensive and offensive MVP. So I guess we'll start with offensive here. Who is your overall offensive MVP? Um, this is tough. It seems like everybody wants to give it to Peyton Manning, and and he's played very well. But another homer pick, and maybe this is redeeming myself for always being so hard on him, but. Aaron Rodgers, to have the numbers he's had, we went over him last week, and I think we might be the only people in the country that actually noticed how good he's started, uh, one of the best in NFL history, comparable to the greatest quarterback seasons in history, with seemingly never having the same receiving targets on a week-to-week basis due to injury. He's been phenomenal this year. 25 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, uh, doing it with seemingly anybody out there. I mean, Tom Crabtree turning into a deep threat <laughs> with, with Aaron Rodgers, yeah. so... Uh, it's got to be Rodgers to me. It's put him out there with anybody, and you got a chance to win. It seems like. Oh, absolutely. I I gotta agree with you there. I I've heard a bunch of different names, but I, I've even heard Andrew Luck, which I mean he's having a great year. But that's more of like a shock value pick. Like we didn't expect this. Let's give it to him, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think it has to be Aaron Rodgers at this point, just because of like you said, the sheer numbers. Uh, we're a good team. I think Drew Brees is there too, but they're not. They don't have a winning record yet. He might get more in the conversation if they keep winning. Mm-hmm. I think it right now. It's pretty clear-cut Aaron Rodgers. I think Matt Ryan's going to probably get some votes, but I think what he's doing is a lot more impressive, and he's the best player in the game, if you ask me, and he's playing like it. He's got to be the MVP right now. Mm -hmm. 
Next up, we have defensive MVP. Um, there's a couple of clear-cut choices it seems like everybody's going with here, but who do you think is going to win the defensive MVP, or who is yours so far? Um, I'll go with J.J. Watt. Uh, he's been all over the place. Uh, he's got over 10 sacks already through the halfway point of the season. I think Clay Matthews was in that conversation, but he does what Clay Matthews does, and he kind of explodes for a few games, and then he kind of has a few quiet ones, and then he pulls his hamstring. So I don't know if we can really go with him yet. Uh, I, I think... J.J. Watt has had a really solid year. I know there's some others. Uh, Tim Jennings has been really good for the Bears, so I, I guess I'll go with uh, with J.J. Watt. Yep, and going into last night, they were saying it was pretty much between Charles Tillman and J.J. Watt at this point, it seemed like. Um, I think Clay could have been in the discussion, Has and obviously he's not healthy anymore, but like you said, he kind of seems to really come on strong at the beginning of the year and then really quiet down. I think his team's going to try to prepare for him a little bit better as the season goes on, perhaps, but mm-hmm. I'll have to agree with J.J. Watt. I think Charles Tillman's had an incredible season, but I think this one's still up in the air. I think I think Watt's kind of the my, my fan favorite right now, just because he's from Wisconsin, playing on a team that I don't mind mm-hmm. in the Texans, so I, I guess I'll go with J.J. Watt as well. Okay. Let's finish it up here with uh, who you think has been your coach of the year so far. I think there's a lot of good choices here, but uh, who do you think has been the best so far? Well, oh, that's that's really tough. I guess I would go with, I'll go with Joe Philbin, as I thought that team stunk. I wasn't sure they'd get to four wins throughout the entire season, so I guess I would go with Joe Philbin, and you could always throw in maybe the consortium of coaches down in Indianapolis that have worked through this Chuck Pagano situation, so yeah. that that's definitely a choice. Brazilians. Yeah, yeah, so um, maybe we could go with uh, either one of those, but I'll go with Joe Philbin and stay homer for like my fourth straight pick. <laughs> yeah, this is a tough one for me because I think there's a lot of teams that have been better than we expected. Uh, you could maybe even say Pete Carroll as much as I can't stand him at, stand him at times. But uh, oh boy, so, I'm coach of the year! Yeah, is yeah, what he I just said. jump around like a little schoolboy when he wins. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to go with Greg Schiano though. I think that Tampa Bay's roster is pretty bad. Like you said, with, that's why you picked Miami, and I, I completely agree there. But I'll, I'll say Tampa just to mix it up. I think both of those rosters are bad. Hmm. I think, you know, with Philbin having a rookie quarterback maybe makes it a little tougher, but I'm, I'm not, I don't think Josh Freeman's a very good quarterback, and Shiano mm-hmm. seems to have turned around what was an absolute disaster of a team last year who completely quit on Raheem Morris, and, I, and he has him turned around playing really well. I, I don't think they're a playoff team, and if they don't make the playoffs, he probably won't win, but I think up to this point, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been a, a big surprise for me, so I'll pick Shiano. Okay, I, I was thinking him too, but that stuff with him trying to submerge under the offensive line during the kneel down. I know it's probably a bunch of high school coaches that go one and eight every year thought it was the greatest thing ever, but I just think that's kind of a douchey move. Yeah, it didn't bother me too much, but I can understand. Yeah. All right, well, thanks, Caleb, for sending those to us and giving us some some stuff to end Crossfire with and give us a chance to redeem ourselves for not doing any midseason awards last week. So I uh, appreciate you getting involved, and also uh, uh, Brian Dinsey also sending us one. Uh, thanks for getting involved as well, and uh, we'll have future Crossfire segments, so if you want to go to Facebook or go to Twitter, you can reach us there. Of course, Facebook is Green and Gold Forever Podcast. That's the name of the Facebook page. You can uh, go to Twitter, Green Gold Forever. That's the number four. And then also you can comment under probably the podcast you're listening to right now on our Podbean page, which is Green Gold, the number four ever, uh, dot com. What if the past had turned out differently? The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. I was told that playing in Green Bay was not an option. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, California. And Mikowski appears hurt. Oh, Mikowski.
He's in great pain, Ahmad. And reliable sources now tell CBS Sports that Parcells is very close to accepting a Green Bay Packers offer. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Phil Bankston. What would the past look like? What would the future look like if... And for the first time in a couple weeks, we have another What If segment for you today. And this is the segment where we take an event in Packers history, we change it a little bit, and then we talk about the ramifications, not only from the time it is from, but also how it might affect the Packers that we have today. And this one was actually sent to us, to our Green and Gold podcast at gmail.com uh, address, by Jeff Blank. And he writes... I have an interesting what-if topic for your podcast. What if the Green Bay Packers didn't name Bob Harlan as the team's CEO and president in 1989? Harlan, in my opinion, is one of the most important figures in the Packers' history. He hired Ron Wolf, who in turn hired Mike Holmgren and traded for Brett Favre. He also fired Mike Sherman, and in, 20, in a 2012 interview, he regretted two things. Number one, not giving Holmgren the GM-slash-coach job and making Sherman the GM. He also hired Ted Thompson, who with his first-ever draft pick with the Packers, selected Aaron Rodgers. And in 2006, he hired Mike McCarthy. He also made Lambeau Field a better stadium with the big renovation in 2003. Well, Jeff gives us quite an intro there, and uh, Jeff, thank you very much for for sending this topic to us. Uh, this is a tough one, and I, I went back and I looked, and first of all, trying to find figure out a scenario where Bob Harlan is not the team president uh, appeared to be a little bit difficult. Uh, he'd been with the team since 1971. He actually had pretty much no challengers. He had a lot of support, so it was a pretty smooth transition uh, when he took the job over in 1989. So the team has been <laughs> pretty darn good since then. I guess the big thing for me, it, it's hard to know how much credit uh, we give Bob Harlan for the on-field product, in my opinion. And he did hire Ron Wolf. But then after that one hire, Ron Wolf kind of takes over from there. Uh, he did hire Ted Thompson. And I think he, hiring Mike, uh, Mark Murphy as his successor has actually been pretty good too. So I guess if we don't have him, it's, it's really hard to, to even begin to think uh, what happens with different people. Maybe Lindy Infante gets to stay longer. Uh, maybe we don't get Brett Favre. Of course, we've talked about some of those scenarios ad nauseum in, in our other uh, what-if topics. I guess the one I'll focus on is what happens to the Packers if we don't get the stadium. And I think one of the things that's really nice about the Packers now is they're in a really they're in a pretty solid financial shape. Uh, the stadium is very nice. Uh, it's it's a nice place. They have nice facilities. I think that if the Packers don't have this Lambeau Field, maybe it affects free agency a little bit. But they haven't, again, they haven't been all that active in it. I guess if you go the doomsday scenario and that Lambeau Field never gets renovated beyond 60000 and that the team keeps losing and never recovers after Bob Harlan and we're going on almost 50 years of futility for this team, I think you could make an argument that the Packers could become a team almost like Cleveland or almost like the Lions where they they can't really sustain any kind of championship level of momentum going from year to year that nobody really wants to play here. It's just a stopgap for draft picks to, to enter into the league, and then they look to go elsewhere. So I think that the team reputation could have gone away, but I think the Packers had built up so much heritage by the time the you know 1989 had rolled around that I think the NFL always would have looked out for the Green Bay Packers, so I don't think it would have been a thing where they, they found a way to buy the team from the community and then and then move them or something. So I guess without Bob Harlan, there's a little uncertainty as to if the Packers would have ever recovered 
with their on-field product. I think financially they always would have been around and w- would have made some money. And I think if the worst-case scenario, the Packers would have been in horrible financial straits, still having the 1989 bowl with 55000 or whatever it was um, here in in 2012, I think the NFL would have found a way to build them a new stadium. They're just too important to the league. I think if Bob Harlan is not named the president in 1989 and none of the things such as Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson ever happen, uh, I think that the the championship caliber team that we've seen the last 20 years might not exist, but I think that the future of the franchise is still pretty secure. Okay, and I agree with most, most of what you said there, and I think that I think that one of the biggest things you touched on was the appeal for free agents to come here. Uh, I know we've we've landed some big ones in our lifetime. I know Ted Thompson has been too active, but just think about you know Charles Woodson, Reggie White. These were all guys that came around after Harlan. So I think that he does maybe have a lot to do with that. Like you said, doomsday scenario. You know we don't get Wolf, we don't get Holmgren, we're mediocre for the next twenty years. So, you know, so maybe if if he hasn't come around, we are the team that we were throughout the seventies and eighties. Just a uh, you know hanging around five hundred, have some good players, but never really threaten anything, and, and I could really see that happening if he hadn't been here and hadn't made the signings he signed in terms of the coaches and everything, so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I could say that's that's a pretty likely scenario, and one thing that really interests me is, what is our, our, our franchise's legacy right now if we don't win the Super Bowl in 96, and we have, and if we hadn't been one of the best teams of the last, you know, 20 years or so, mm-hmm. if we hadn't been a legitimate team and at this point, it would have been about 45 years. What is the Packers' legacy now? I, I don't think it's what Cleveland's is, like you had mentioned, but it's definitely not what we are now. And I, I don't think it's uh, we're look quite the same on across the league if we haven't won a mm-hmm. won anything in so long. Maybe kind of similar to a Chiefs type of thing, possibly. I don't, I don't know. We have a little more history, but that could have really affect where our uh, our legacy is right now. So I completely agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like so to I touch on that point. Which, is, the, is the stadium here, and and I think you're right. I think the stadium gets built either way. Maybe it isn't as miraculous as it is with with what Harlan did, but I think the town would have helped pay for it with taxes. I think the league would have helped build it. So I think that gets done either way. So mm-hmm. I, I think that was huge, but I feel like that would have happened either way. So I think that my most important thing is I think that the appeal to free agents to sign here and and actually making us a legitimate title contender again. So I will give Bob Harlan some credit for that on-field product. Okay. Yeah, and I wasn't trying to take it away from him. I was just kind of wondering how how much he had uh, in that. I do want to comment on that point you made about what the legacy of the Packers would be, because that's an incredibly interesting question. Um, They would be better than the Browns and Lions, who have won championships but haven't won since the 50s. they still have the two Super Bowl wins for the first two Super Bowls. That is always going to set them apart from everyone. But if you look at it, having said that, look at teams like Miami and the Redskins and the Raiders, even San Francisco, who have really rich histories, and how quickly those completely faded as far as their reputations in the NFL. I mean, look at Miami. Pretty much a playoff contender every single year from their inception until about 2003. A yeah, playoff now they seem league. like a they seem kind of like a joke in the league with no real aspirations at winning a championship anytime in the near future. And hard and having a hard time getting support for for sellouts and, and things like that. Look at how big of a joke the Raiders are. They won three Super Bowls. They played in the second Super Bowl, and. They were in the playoffs uh, almost all the time or, or one of the first teams out about every year from the mid-60s through 
their last Super Bowl appearance in 2002. And in how long did it take? Two, three years before they were a joke. I mean, the Packers might just be another team like the Washington Redskins. Oh, it's the Packers. They stink. I mean, because uh, as much as we like to, to talk about it on this show, and I, I like to read about it, and you like to read about it, and we like to, to talk about it as a community in this state, 1965 is a long time ago. Yeah. And the Redskins won a title in 1991, and it felt like that's 50 years ago. So I, I don't, I don't know. The Raiders were in the Super Bowl 10 years ago, and that, that seems like it was a lot more than 10 years ago. So, um, as far as the legacy of the team, it might be nothing by this point, having been a loser for 40 years. Right. Yep, I completely agree, and it's it's so hard to gauge just because you know what goes on in Green Bay is is a little bit different than around the country. But I I feel like the fan base is just as strong, really. But I I feel like around the league we're kind of looked at as as one of those teams probably if we've been mediocre for the last 20 years. We'd be the Cubs. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So I guess what we're saying is we're glad that Bob Harlan was the president and he really turned this franchise around and and really turned them into the franchise in the NFL, maybe on on par with. Boston Celtics or or Los Angeles Lakers or New York Yankees of the NFL. All right, so we're kind of running a little long here, so I want to thank everybody who contributed to this show, Caleb and and Brian and and Jeff and everybody who's listened. So thanks for joining us on the bye week, and if you want to get in contact with us and comment on anything, submit your what-if topics, submit your crossfire questions, uh, you can go to our Facebook page, which once again is green and gold forever podcast twitter green gold the number four the word ever or right underneath the podcast on our podbean page green gold forever.podbean.com matt do you want to say a word quick about what you think is going to happen against the detroit lions it might be a little tough to slow that offense down with all the defensive injuries yeah and i'm interested to see what happens because all we've seen is the packers beat up on some bad teams for the last couple of weeks and i know detroit's not great but this could be a pretty tough matchup so i'm I'm actually really curious to see what happens in this game. I, I really have no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I, I guess I would still expect the Packers to win, but it's probably going to be a really close one mm-hmm. and probably a little bit high scoring. I'm going to go. I'm going to go up there, maybe like a 32-27 type score. Yeah, I think this could be the one where the the Packers finally lose one to the Lions. Uh, they've only lost once to the Lions since Mike McCarthy became the head coach. And that was when Aaron Rodgers got injured in the second quarter. So this could be the one they actually lose when Rodgers plays a full game. The defense is beat up. Uh, the Packers are running out of weapons on offense. I still think the Packers can win, but I'm like you. I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. So I'll say uh, I'll say the Packers win 35-31. All right, so uh, with that, we'll see you next week. Hopefully we'll have another chance to talk about another Packers victory. And maybe a Bears loss, too, and we'll get the Packers back up in first place where they belong. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care, everyone.